So Malaysia actually played host to the Asian premiere of the latest Three Musketeers movie. So this is a French adaptation of the Alexandre Dumas novel, which is, believe it or not, something that hasn't happened all that often. Like, there are over 50 TV and film adaptations of The Three Musketeers. It's a very, very popular novel, but a lot of them are out of England and Hollywood and, of course, lots of other countries as well. There are Mexican adaptations and there are European adaptations, but the French haven't done it as often as we would think. This one, which is called The Three Musketeers d'Artagnan, is the first of two movies because it's being sold as a duology. The second one is called The Three Musketeers Milady, and that one comes out in December. And it's constructed somewhat differently. This one kind of plays out like a modern-day blockbuster. It uses all of the tropes that we have become familiar with when we watch a Hollywood blockbuster. But I'm not saying it's a modern film because it still has this period old-fashioned sensibility to it. It's just that the Mm. execution makes it feel modern and it really works. Like this is a fast, pacey, swashbuckling adventure. It's like that first Pirates movie. Do you remember watching that first Pirates of the Caribbean movie? It was so exciting. Like, it was so much fun because it was something we hadn't seen in a very long time. It was the kind of show that we grew up watching as kids. We loved, like, the romancing the stone type movies. And this one has that same... It gives you that same feeling. I hate to say it, but only because when I say the term, people think of the ocean. But it's very swashbuckling in the best of terms. Swashbuckling isn't just Errol Flynn's sort of pirate period. It's also when he played Robin Hood, etc., etc., etc. Yes, so, correct. Anyway, but this movie is really good. I'm not saying I wasn't expecting it, but there is a real familiarity to this film that that I wasn't sure I was expecting. No, because we've seen the same story so many times. So the most popular version, if you grew up in the 70s or the 80s, was probably the version with Michael Gjork. There were three movies. There was The Three Musketeers, The Four Musketeers, and also The Return of the Musketeers, which came out much later. So The Three Musketeers and The Four Musketeers was in 1973 and 1974. And then The Return of the Musketeers was in 1989. And that was a direct sequel to the movie starring Michael York. So it was many years later. But those movies were shown all the time on Malaysian TV. Mm. Like, I can't remember if it was TV3 or RTM, but growing up, they were shown so often on Malaysian TV. And then, of course, there is the Disney one with Rebecca De Mornay playing Milady and Charlie Sheen, Kiefer Sutherland, Chris O'Donnell, Oliver Platt, Tim Curry playing Richelieu. Do you remember that one? With the best, possibly the best theme song of all time, Sting, Brian Adams and Rod Stewart. Yeah, that's the one I would reach out for as the unfortunately the quintessential Three Musketeers movie and I mean even then that one had I wouldn't say problems but uh, I, I won't say it was mostly literarily accurate it was a clean Disney-fied version of The Three Musketeers yes yeah, yeah and yeah, yeah. it was yes. probably the most accessible because it was kind of jokey it had that adventure element And while it kind of summarized the book in a neat way, it left out all of the religious elements that the novel Mm. had. 
what makes this version very, very cool is that you have the Four Musketeers, Athos, Bothos, Aramis, and D'Artagnan, and it is primarily their story, but the setting and the background is still period France, where the Catholics are fighting the Protestants and they're on the brink of war, and the king is deciding whether he should go to war with Britain, and all of this stuff is happening, and Buckingham is involved, and he's having an affair with the queen, and like all of that really cool, intriguing spy shit is also a part of the show. Look, I'm not a literary bookworm like you are, okay? I read comics, I read the back pages of some books, and then I move on with my life. So I've not read, surprise, surprise, The Three Musketeers by Alexander Dumas. But I wasn't expecting the setting being so big. All the versions of The Three Musketeers that I've seen have always been focused on the three slash four guys. It's always been about the title characters. Whereas here, the title characters are set in a wider plot to potentially bring down King Louis and there's an affair between his wife and Buckingham and it's just this much bigger thing than just these four guys who are trying to uphold the honour of the king. But all of that is still there. But all of that is still there. It's so great. And that's yeah. the coolest bit, right? Like you have yeah, you know, that yeah, yeah. chivalry and the all for one and one for all and, you know, for king, for really king, say it, for though. France and all of that stuff. They do. They do. They do. In the, I miss that. In the fight. So in their first oh, encounter, no, yeah, yeah. when they're facing off Richelieu's guys, I think yeah, it's yeah, Aramis yeah, yeah. that shouts all for one and then all of them shout and one for all. And then they start taking down the bad guys. So they do yeah, it yeah. once. That I was think. fairly early on. Yeah. I don't know if they do it more than once. But, but what, I'm, what, what I mean is it's never said as a poster moment. It's never said as yes. a hero moment. It's it's a very throwaway line, this famous line. And I loved all of that. I absolutely love this film. I think this might be... It'll definitely make my top 10 list of favorite movies this year. Like, I grew Oof. up watching those Musketeers movies. And mm. it's been such a long time because... <sighs> They've done them. There's been one in 2001. There was the shitty 3D one by Paul W.S. Anderson with like that was weird. Logan Lerman and Christoph Waltz. And it was just awful. And then... There was one last year. Yeah, there was another one last year, which was a British one. Also yeah. bad. Like, they keep doing it, but yet they don't really bring anything new. Like, there was hmm. one in... 2001 just called The Musketeer and that one they tried to make a Three Musketeers movie using Asian martial arts fighting styles did you ever see okay. that one? no god no missed that one okay completely. so that one was by Peter Hyams and it had Catherine Deneuve Mina Suvari Tim Roth that's a lineup though yeah and they were doing like the wire fighting type stuff and they were trying something, but it wasn't good. <laughs> yeah, doesn't sound like it. What I like about this version in particular is what the director has done. Like, if you've seen any version of The Three Musketeers, the King's Guard are always super clean, right? Actually, everything about the movie tends to be super clean because I guess they see the Royal Guard in a certain way. In The Three Musketeers, D'Artagnan, the director, Martin Bobolon, has made it kind of dirty and gritty but in a good way yeah so the streets of paris feel gritty 
grimy. It's not gritty. It's grimy. It feels like what it would be like back then when people didn't have enough water to shower every day. And yeah. that really comes across. It doesn't matter that they're the king's guard. It doesn't mean that their outfits are always pristine and bright blue with a silver cross down the middle. And I think all of that really adds to the atmosphere of this. And then you have your four characters who are already distinct. Like, even in the book, even in all of the movies, you know one guy is the playboy, one guy is the priest. Everyone's got their own distinct characters, but what he does in this movie, he takes it one step further and he makes sure that every single one of them has their own distinct fighting styles. None of it is actually spelt out to you. You actually see it in their first big fight together. It's all very apparent and it's a very clever way to distinguish each of these characters. I also want to just say, like, the fight scenes are probably the most exciting sword fighting I've seen in a very long time because they're gritty. It's it's this thing of, like, I've been watching documentaries about about knights and, and how they used to fight. And it's this idea that we get this impression that knights were honorable fighters, but they weren't. It's all up close. You think these these swords are clanging away. It ne- almost never clangs. They're just like practically hugging each other half the time. And, and it's brutal. This, it's brutal and it's close. And I think this film really shows that because all the other versions of the three musketeers we've seen have always felt like fencing they would always stand apart from each other they'd parry they'd thrust they'd you know touche there's a there's a real sort of impression that it's a gentlemanly thing whereas here it's but it's grimy it's in your face they're literally throwing themselves (laughs) at the villains you know they're yeah it's and it's great it's a real it's a real colorful way of showing fights and that's the mistake that a lot of these, I was going to say period pieces, but actually it's any movie with sword fighting. The clanging happens because people are trying to strike each other down and kill them. The clanging doesn't happen because you're aiming for the other person's sword. But also, I think what it is, is there is a romance that comes with these period type films. And they cannot then de- divorce that romance from the fighting. So the fighting becomes romantic. It's an idealized fairy tale version of what a sword fight is whereas here it's not and i loved it the four guys as well so good francois civil plays d'artagnan romain duris plays aramis pure mamai plays porthos and i think the only thing we need to tell people is vincent cassell is in this and he plays athos vincent cassell sell this movie vincent yeah. cassell is playing athos the senior musketeer and he's great and the director does such a good job dude like within the first 15 to 20 minutes there is an immediate camaraderie between them based entirely on four individual encounters and one fight and the brotherhood is forged very quickly and it's very believable it doesn't feel rushed at all and from that point on there is a mystery which they need to solve or an investigation that they need to do and so you can get straight into that also Eva Green is just Eva Green in, you know, probably yet again in just the sexiest in what the 700 sexy roles she has done throughout her career. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And she's not. And I don't mean this in a bad way. She's not in this movie a lot. (laughs) But every time she's on screen, you're like, stop. Everybody stop. Eva Green's on screen. Everybody stop. Yeah, exactly. She plays Milady the Winter. And and she she does such a great job because Milady the Winter 
has to be that character, right? She is uh, beautiful. She is motivated. She is completely ruthless. And all of that is kind of depicted. It doesn't have to be spelled out to you. And and to be fair, even Rebecca de Mornay, when she did it in the Disney version as well, was just as good. None of it was spelt out. And yet there is still that heartbreak behind all of her actions. Eva Green really sort of puts on screen the word cunning without having to devolve into a mustache twirling thing. And I thought that was really great. This is such a good movie. I want to watch it again. Such a good movie. Yeah, I want to watch it again. It's such a good movie. It's a. It made me want to go back and watch like the first Pirates movies and all of that stuff ooh, again because those were ooh, so much fun. Okay. The movie has humor. It's got the jokes and stuff. It's it funny. It does take itself seriously because there are real stakes. I also want to say that there is a real... There's a real scale to the story because... This movie is two hours long, and I wouldn't say it feels two hours, but there's a lot that happens. But because it was planned, and I believe it's shot as a duology, they never had to rush anything. So nothing feels like they have to rush through moments just so they can resolve it because they don't know if they'll get a second movie. Because the second movie doesn't feel like a sequel. I guess it's a sequel, but it's part of one story as opposed to another story. I don't think it's a sequel. I don't think we can call it a sequel. I think it's like Dune Part 1 and Part 2. Yes. It's not a sequel. Yeah, yeah. It's literally yeah, yeah. just the next episode. This one story could not be crammed into two hours. Yeah, and I'm glad they didn't because a lot happens and it deserves it and it earns every minute of screen time. I'll tell you what the distinction is. Whoever's listening to this podcast finally sees Spider-Verse, they will understand as well. Spider-Verse is two movies. We've seen it and we can say that it's not it's part two and part three. It's not the mm. same as Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. It's not yes. even the same as Fast X and whatever is coming later. Because <laughs> Fast X, when you watch it, could have actually wrapped all of this up in one movie. They stretched it out unnecessarily to fill multiple films. For this one, when you watch the other versions of The Three Musketeers... And if you happen to have read the book or are familiar with the story, you will know how much they had to cut out to make it like the good bits version. Yeah, I get that. So they just went, oh, look, there's sword fighting. There's a sexy, cunning temptress. There's an evil cardinal. There's a king. Like those are the good bits that people will like. So that's what we'll include in the film. This one has all of the espionage stuff and the warcraft stuff. All of that really adds a lot of texture and color. And I think, honestly, I think this is the first time I've seen a faithful adaptation of the story that I read in the book. Mm, yeah. Like I said, there are 50, 60 adaptations. So I'm not sure if the other adaptations sure. have done it. But the Hollywood ones yeah. that I've seen have been very basic. La. Right. Yeah. They've kept to the three Musketeers plus D'Artagnan. But go watch this movie. The Three Musketeers d'Artagnan. It is a part of Le French Festival 2023. And we have to warn you, if you are listening to this, buy your tickets immediately because there aren't many screenings. It's an expensive movie to bring in because obviously this is not brought in by any major distributor. So they only have limited screenings across 
limited cinema. So like there's one screening in one U and then the next day there'll be another screening in Mid Valley. And if you check our Instagram page, we've got all of the showtimes there. And if you go to the GSE ticketing page, you can also look for the showtimes there and buy the tickets. I will say there is a fantastic lineup of French movies. So if you are a fan of French movies, go check out the other films as well. It's just across all genres. There's comedy, there's drama, there's romance, there's rom-coms, there's animation, there's all sorts of stuff. So there literally is something for everyone. And all of those tickets are going on sale right now on the GSE app. So you can actually buy tickets to those movies as well. Also, DM us if you're really interested and we'll give you a code so you can get some tickets for free. Huh? Best deal but just for you guys. The Three Musketeers, D'Artagnan, start screening on June 3rd, and it'll be screened in KL, Penang, JB, and Kuching. So look out for those dates, get your tickets. Once you've seen it, reach out, let us know what you think. You know how to get in touch. Gogglermy are all of our social media feeds. Podcast at goggler.my is our email address. You can also WhatsApp us on the Goggler hotline, 012 524 Eight, or drop us a line on any one of those platforms and we'll send you a link to join our brand new Discord server where you can chat with us in real time. Thank you so much for listening. This is The Goggler Podcast.